Hashtag Tim and Friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned in to the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show with five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. This is, once again, Tim and Friends. I want to thank Jesse Rubinoff and Ailish Forfar for having my back while I took a maintenance day. Maintenance day. Back in the saddle for what should be a jam-packed Tuesday edition of the show. Raptors on the clock. LeBron on the verge of history tonight. You can see it on Sportsnet 1. The Oilers are back in action on Sportsnet. And, of course, Wrexham AFC. Pretty cool. <laughs> Wrexham AFC, Sheffield United. Now, I'm sure some of you are thinking, Timmy, what the hell do I care about the fourth round of the FA Cup? Well, Wrexham AFC, the, the Ryan Reynolds, Rob McElhenney owned mm -hmm. Wrexham, are in the fifth division of English football in the FA. They're the lowest remaining club in the contest. They were looking to pull off the biggest upset as they took on Sheffield, who's in the championship, the second division, as it were. Since 1992, no one's pulled off an upset this big. Now, they almost did it. In the first round, or first game, heartbreak. Sheffield United drew the first matchup in injury time mm -hmm. to break the hearts of Wrexham. Well, guess what, kids? They went back at it again. Return match, this time at Sheffield. There's no chance that they can hang around in this one, is there? Well, hold on just a wee second here. Wrexham... After the three-all draw, 50th minute, Ben Osborne, that's Anel Ahmedhozic. His first goal of the competition, Blades Neal lead 1-0. Then, 57th minute, Paul Mullen pulled down at the edge of the... Hold on a second. We have a penalty. Ensuing PK, Mullen, the star of the show, both on the field and the actual documentary. 1-1, one, one, are you kidding me? Super Paul Mullen. Eighth goal, five FA Cup matches, and he's pulled down again in the 71st minute. So Wrexham, the opportunity for the lead, and it's Super Paul Mullen again. What will Paul Mullen do now? What's going through his mind? It's been kept out by Davis. Magnificent stop by the Sheffield United goalkeeper. And now the I'll tell you on. what's going through his mind. Oh, bleep. And you knew with that opportunity to take the lead squandered that the higher tier team would eventually burst the dam, and they do indeed. Fourth minute stoppage time. Game winner. Billy Sharp picks it up and bulges the old onion bag. In fact, they got two in stoppage time, so Wrexham's storybook run is over their fans still ecstatic as Sheffield advances winning 3-1 your final Jesse Rubinoff I know I'm just asking you this right now but you don't have producer of the show Thomas Dobby's tweet from earlier today do you not quite. He Active is a ready. Blade supporter and sent us, well, he sent the world, mm -hmm. a picture of him watching it from a Bahamian bar earlier today. I did like that. And yeah. he might be among very few Canadians cheering for Sheffield United in this spot. Uh, Ryan Reynolds has chimed in on Twitter despite the loss. Uh, so proud of these boys and the 4,000 plus away supporters who gave it all. Uh, I personally cannot wait for that episode. It's going to be very dramatic even though we know how it finishes. Uh, Super Paul Mullen. Couldn't get it done. 
It's going to be dramatic, though. But, like, hold on a second here. Like, just hit, hit the stop button okay, for fine. one second. Sure. Yeah, let's do it. We just did the highlights at the top of a show, and I know it was just on Sportsnet and kind of sort of intertwined with our show, mm-hmm. but we just did the highlights of a fifth division team I know. in the English Football Association I know. off the top of the show. Like, that's pretty crazy, is it not? It's amazing. It's an amazing story. It's one of the better stories in sports at the moment, and that's why it was on the network. This is one of the better tournaments in all of sports because mm-hmm. it allows the plumbers and the uh, the woods work, the, the wood, I don't even know how to say it, people who do woodworking. <laughs> <laughs> I should have just said blacksmiths. Very good, very good. Yeah, the, the average yeah. Joe participates in this tournament. Every once in a while they make a run like we saw from Wrexham. Cinderella. But, but this would have, I mean, ultimate Cinderella, mm-hmm. right? Like these are literal non-professionals sometimes playing against top-tier clubs, and had Wrexham won this, they would have hosted Tottenham next. That would have been really cool. That's absolutely I mean, this was, this was cool enough, probably, but to see them against Tottenham would have been really, really cool. All right, uh, we went all that way to show you Thomas Dobby, producer of this show's tweet uh, from earlier today, watching the Mighty Blades in Nassau, Bahamas, hashtag Twitter Blades. And that is a bottle of Very fine nice. Bahamian beer while watching. And there's sunglasses on it. I think he's just rubbing it in, to be honest with you. Yeah, that's uh, one of the ultimate must-be-nices that we've seen on the show in a long time. Congratulations to Dobby. And the entire crew. <laughs> I know his dad's a big Blades fan. Seen the tattoos. Yeah. Legit. Is but he? They might be the only ones cheering for Sheffield United. I doubt there's a lot of neutrals out there cheering for Sheffield. Yeah, and and now you know why Reynolds is going to be included in any purchase of the Ottawa Senators moving forward because he has that kind of power. Like we just showed and talked about a team from the fifth division of the FN. Well, his tweet has 245,000 views (laughs) in about 15 minutes, so there you go. There you go. All right, so the rest of the way, we got our ear to the ground on the Raptors and whatever the hell might happen over the next two hours. Uh, We'll tell you what Pascal Siakam dropping F-bombs with the media today. (laughs) LeBron's week is pretty interesting. Like, even for him, from the maybe it's me tweet to uh, and swinging and missing on Kyrie Irving to breaking Kareem's all-time scoring. Even for LeBron, this week is pretty dramatic, is it not? A lot of highs and lows, you could say. Yeah, a few highs and lows. Dave McMenamin knows him as well as any reporter in the business, knows Mm -hmm. the Lakers right now as a much as any reporter in the business, he'll drop by to discuss in our second hour. Rash Madani from the Super Bowl. Brandon Stokely on the Super Bowl. Gene Principe on the Oilers and matching mullets, I guess. As well as Nick Kiprios, a little smoke or fire as we get you set for the Oilers and the Red Wings coverage starting at 7 p.m. Eastern. Five local in Edmonton. Red Wings, Oilers. In the meantime, we got you covered. Starting... Well, we started with a little bit of soccer, but as we usually do nice. with first things first, a little Ruby Tuesday as Jesse mm. Rubinoff takes the reins. So let's open the Sports Bazaar, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> oh, deep in the bag today. Very impressive. Yeah, I better Welcome go back, back to my halls here. So you basically took yesterday <laughs> off to come up with that one. Just I, for the throw. I took yesterday off to sleep. No, as no, much no. as I could with no, they come up with the sports bizarre. No, I, that, that was I know where the brain power was going yesterday. I get it. Uh, <laughs> I don't rap- know if you know this, but I spit fire like on the on the regular. Literally? Yeah. No, well, not. Well, yesterday you might yeah, have been. Yesterday it was. Yes. <laughs> Raptors trade watch continues. Razors. Yes. Ahead of Thursday's trade deadline. Many names floating out there and possible deals. More recently, Pascal Siakam has been mentioned more and more. Earlier today, Siakam addressed the trade rumors with the media. 
I never know. Yeah, I never know what's happening. Like, even when you ask me all these questions, like, I don't know what's going on, man. Like, I'm focused on playing the game, um, and and that's that's pretty much it. Like, at the end of the day, we know what it is. Like, what's the point of, of us coming here talking every? F uh, what? Well, sorry, every every deadline. Like, oh, was like, I mean, we know that's gonna happen. Like, it is what it is. Like, and whatever happens, happens. Like, I, I think I'm I'm at a point in my career where like it really don't matter. Like, you know, unless like I feel like you know there's some things going on, or you know, now that win the league, where you know if I'm unhappy, I can you know there's things that can happen. You know, like, but other than that, man, I'm doing my job every single day. Before you get to the question, he's mm -hmm. right, eh? Oh, 100%. <laughs> like, yeah. I feel bad because What's it's the media and we're playing the clips. For and sure. The back and forth. Sometimes we want to hear from the players who are involved in these rumors, but what can he do? I, I, I think I would be a lesser man than Pascal, frankly. Like, having to answer the questions over and over and over again. I, 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 over. I do feel for athletes. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, yesterday, like right before the show, it was like 4 o'clock when all these tweets started going haywire yeah. about the Raptors being you the You guys mix. had Mark Stein on too, yeah, right? Yeah, which was like perfect because yeah. he was part of the mix tweeting about everything. Uh, so obviously a lot of buzz surrounding the Raptors in the last 24 hours. Have your expectations changed for the upcoming trade deadline on Thursday? The, the one thing I wonder about, and I'll ask you this question and, and by, by proxy Canada the yeah, question nice. too. Like with all these names in the news, it kind of makes it hard for the Raptors to go back to work after the deadline with the same team, does it not? I think you can see it on their faces with the body language that they've been exhibiting in the last little while that quite frankly this is all weighing on them and you could see it in Pascal's answer there. He tried to keep a smile on his face as much as he possibly could but it's a lot. Every, like we, literally, of the starting lineup, the only person or only player that is not being rumored in deals right now is Scotty Barnes. Yeah, he, he's reportedly the only untouchable. And even then, there have been some rumors. And listen, <laughs> like over the last little while, Kevin Durant's name started popping up as well. Mm -hmm. And for those who don't remember, Scotty Barnes was the only untouchable when Kevin Durant's name first came up over the last little while. Now, it seems as though, it seems as though Kevin Durant's name is being withdrawn from the trade speculation, is that correct? Yes, that, that is what that is what Woj has been saying. Uh, I have it up here in the aftermath of Kyrie Irving, the Brooklyn Nets, and Kevin Durant are having ongoing conversations. Yada yada yada. Not planning to trade him before Thursday's deadline, which is the important thing. Not it, planning. Not planning to trade him. So was Kyrie the problem for Kevin Durant as well? If Kevin Durant is staying. Is it because Kyrie was part of the problem? No, that's actually a, a fabulous question, and I'm happy you asked it because I actually think looking at the assets that the Nets got back in return, uh, Dinwiddie, etc., I actually don't think they're that bad. And I do think that they still have a legitimate chance to well, make it Cam to the Thomas, NBA Finals. I'll tell you that Cam Thomas, exactly. 40, 44 <laughs> last night. I mean, the, the, he is first former first-round pick, so he, he could potentially be a player. So I do think that not only, and I said this yesterday on the show, not only... Are they good with what they have now? I love the picture <laughs> that we got of but, Spencer Dinwiddie. It's it's a great it's picture good. of Spencer Dinwiddie. <laughs> what happened? He actually said today the Nets got better looking after having Wait acquired him, which here. is amazing. Yeah. Uh, but they can also package some of the assets they now have from the James Harden 
trade and from this trade to bring in another star. And I think that's part of the reason why the Pascal Siakam rumors have kicked up a notch because they have the assets available to try and go get another star. That's what they want to try and do to supplement Kevin Durant. Even if they don't, I still think they're good enough to do some damage in the East. So that's probably why he's at least satisfied for the time being, I would think. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, I'm, my head is spinning, and it's not just because I'm coming off of an illness. My head is spinning because, like, I don't know who to believe or what to believe anymore when it comes to it. Even know, Pascal, crazy. at the end of that quote that we just heard from him, was talking about the very same idea of, if I'm unhappy, things can happen in this league. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if Kevin Durant, even with Woj, who is one of the best insiders I've ever seen, mm-hmm. saying that he's off the trade list, I'm not until the deadline hits on Thursday at 3 p.m. Everything's open to me. My notes remain the same. Kevin Durant is not coming off of my notes. I don't care what Woj, Shams, Michael Grant, anyone tweets. Mm -hmm. I'm not buying into it. I've seen this before. I mean, even the Kyrie clips that we heard earlier today. So Kyrie was introduced uh, to the Dallas Mavericks media and by virtue, the Dallas Mavericks fans. And the clip that we got today is. Like I don't, I don't want to crush Kyrie, but there seems to be a little bit of a a a splitting from reality. Have a listen. I just know I want to be places where I'm celebrated, uh, and not just tolerated or or, or just um, you know kind of dealt with in a way that doesn't make me feel respected. Um, and there were times throughout this process when I was in Brooklyn where I felt very disrespected and my talent. I work extremely hard at what I do. No one ever talks about my work ethic, though. Everyone talks about what I'm doing off the floor. So um, I just want to change that narrative and write my own story. He's constantly trying to change the narrative. He's constantly trying to change and write his own story. What happened in Boston? What happened in Cleveland? Like, the swings in his decision-making are, like, that's a dude who at least three different trade requests. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he I, thought he, he thinks he's being disrespected? I honestly think you could probably take that exact quote and find it multiple other times throughout his career. Like, we obviously didn't have time. He just said it, and we just turned around the clips. But if you went back to some of the things that he has said, I bet you he said he felt disrespected in all places that he's played at one point. Yeah, that clip was, what, from, like, less than an hour ago? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, yeah, it's probably not the first time that he's mentioned something like that. I do want to – you talked about Michael Grange tweets. Um, I want to get to the one where – after Pascal said what he said at practice and Masai Ujiri pulled him into the adjacent office. Uh, I said that uh, on Twitter that he, Pascal got pulled into the principal's office for swearing during the press conference. Michael said, uh, responded to me and said more like he's checking to see, you know, if the, the plan, so to speak, that's in order flies with Pascal. Do you have a lean on which way you think this conversation went? So, We're just speculating here, obviously. For the uninitiated, uh, this is what Michael tweeted immediately mm-hmm. after Pascal's, uh, Pascal's mm-hmm. uh, clip that you heard earlier. I, I wanted to get to the Durant and the Kyrie stuff. Uh, but I, listen, I think that's real. I think Masai learned from the DeMar DeRozan deal a lot. Mm. And what I think you heard was, hey, Pascal just swore. Let me pull him in, have a quick conversation with him, communicate to him what's going on right now so that he doesn't feel the same way that DeMar felt when he was dealt, which was completely and utterly blind. Love that take. So, listen, I, I get how it reads, and I get where a lot of people jump to, and I get where some were going, oh, he might be traded. Yeah. Like, as soon as Michael de- – and listen, 
I'm not saying he's not going to be dealt. I'm just saying that Masai is keeping the lines of communication open right. at what is a very stressful time for many Raptors, mm-hmm. not just Pascal Siakam, but obviously Freddie Van Vliet and Gary Trent Jr. because that's how you handle it, and especially as a president of basketball operations where you might have the time. When you're just the GM, you're on the phone constantly, and it's hard to keep your uh, lines of communication open with players, but that's what I think that was. Yeah, I mean, a lot of fan base is usually thrown into a tizzy during trade deadline week, but it seems like the Raptors are sort of a linchpin in this trade deadline. And No, they are. There's serious stressors that come with that, yeah, obviously. It doesn't seem to be. They're in, they're in a very unique situation yeah. that you don't see very often where the team has very valuable pieces and they aren't very good. And Bobby Webster and Masai Ujiri have to figure out what they can get for these guys. And if you're looking for more in that regard, go to sportsnet.ca. Blake Murphy just lists every possible trade (laughs) that the Toronto Raptors could make over the next little while. Again, trade deadline. Excuse me, you have to bear with me as I'm battling through something here. I may cough a bunch of times on air. Start calling me Elliot. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. so uh, you can see any any and every variation of any trade that you think may happen with the Raptors right now on sportsnet.ca. Just look for Blake's story. My head was spinning after that article. Like, like it's we, we should so in-depth and so well done. Yeah, we should tweet it out so everyone can see yeah. what the Raptors could and should be looking at based on what you find interesting. Yes, in definitely. Yeah. Uh, okay, sticking <laughs> with basketball. Could be some history on the network tonight. LeBron James is 36 points away from breaking the NBA's all-time scoring record, and he can do it tonight when the Lakers host the Thunder, a game you can see on Sportsnet 1 at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Do you think he gets it done tonight, Timmy? Uh, there's a part of me that believes that. Um, that's a lot of points, 36 points. He is one of the greatest scorers in the history of the game, if yep. not the greatest scorer in the history of the game. And, yeah, I said that. Like His per-game averages aren't far off uh, the all-time average or mm-hmm. the all-time number. Um, I got a feeling that he's going to put on a show tonight. I mean, it'll be a tough matchup, and it'll be interesting to see where he ends up, though he is getting a team on the second half of back-to-backs in this one. A a late-game record-breaker would be better than a first-quarter record-breaker, though it might be, like, listen, I know we don't have a ton of time here. Do they stop the game if it's, like, a one-point game late? Oh, for sure. Yeah? Yeah. No matter what? No matter what. They stop the game? Yeah. Game game stop, no no matter what. Someone will call a timeout. The opposing coach would call a timeout if he had to, just out of respect. You think so, even yeah. in a one-point yeah. game? Yes. Yeah, I think probably. So. You think so? Yeah, I think you agree? so. You agree? I think so, probably. It's LeBron. It's LeBron break, breaking one of the records that nobody thought was would ever be broken. going to be broken, and yeah. he's probably going to do it. Um, the odds, which I want to get to quickly, a scoring method to break the record currently favors a two-pointer at minus 150, three-pointer plus 260, free throw plus 350. LeBron to pass Kareem tonight is plus 120. Did you see the seat? I know we've done this a couple of times. Yeah, I'm happy you brought that up. um, If you're so inclined, uh, this from Reynolds on Twitter, um, not Ryan Reynolds, (laughs) (laughs) Tim Reynolds on Twitter. Uh, If you're so inclined, it'll cost you a mere 185, excuse me, 181, 500 for a pair of courtside seats tonight. So with all the fees, they're about $75,000 each, and then you throw the fees on top. And it's 181000 by the way. Um, apparently, 
for the Bucks game on Thursday. They're up to $242,000. Uh, we did a match game. I would rather spend $180,000 on blank. Uh, hit it up at Tim and Friends. Oh, we have some time. I would rather spend $180,000. I don't think we have some time. Yeah, this is a couple. This is a good. Okay. Couple. Yeah, I got the okay. I got the all clear. Green light. Here we go. Uh, I would rather we spend $180,000. left in the block. <laughs> I would rather spend $180,000. I'll go quickly. Time. I'll go quickly. Harrison says buy an airplane. You can literally buy an airplane. Yeah, you could buy you could buy an airplane for one hundred eighty thousand. Yeah, this one it's, it's, it's a little one, but it still flies. Uh, Darcy, a week's worth of groceries <laughs> in Canada. Boom. I get it. Yeah. A lot of property jokes in here in Toronto. Yeah. A lot of grocery yeah. jokes. Uh, Andy's going straight to Niagara Falls, all on red. <laughs> Uh, Mike, chicken fingers at the Ritz Carlton. Hey, no, they weren't that expensive that at all. That is such no. a good callback, though. No. Royal viewer. Yeah. Love to see it. Uh, and Michael Greco, I would rather invest 180000 because it will provide a larger return on investment. I will be able to save more money, have a higher net worth. Additionally, I will be able to retire sooner and have a more comfortable retirement. Just kidding. I'm buying a Benz. Love to see it. Uh, Rob Renfro, a villa in the south of Italy. Yeah, I mean, where are we thinking? Like Taromina here? Yeah. Where are we going? The, Syracuse? Uh, huh? Saracusa? Amalfi Coast? I don't know if that's south. Uh, Somewhat south. So you heard about this Tom Brady retirement sand stuff? <laughs> yeah, we talked about this last week, right? Uh, the speech on the beach? Yeah, the speech on the beach. So people are selling the sand from the beach that Brady made the retirement. Yeah. What's going on in the world? I don't know. No, a honestly. Of, a lot of things. Like $180,000 for tickets. And people are no still spending sand or money to buy sand. What are we doing? I think people are lost. Okay. They're trying to find their way. On that note, let's go to some hockey. Just like us, because now we're a minute and a half late and we're going to hockey. We're over it. Are go we ahead. over? No, no, go ahead. Jay says go ahead. He said okay. Yeah. He's loving first things first. We're going to keep going. The <laughs> NHL returned to action. From the All-Star break last night, the Canucks fell in overtime to the Devils, while the Flames and Rangers had a ridiculously wild affair. Some big hits helped lead to 62 penalty minutes before Alexis Lafreniere, Alexei, scored the overtime winner to send the Flames home angry. Tim, what in the midst of all of that grabbed your attention the most? Um, obviously, it's the Jacob Truba turning into Scott Stevens with his hits. I mean, those were... One of them was borderline. I don't think it's the one that we're showing here where he catches Nazem Kadri. And then having to fight after those hits. I need to have a conversation with Nick Kiprios, who's going to join us a little bit later on, and discuss whether or not players need to fight every time they lay a big to somewhat big hit. That's the first one on Dylan Dubé, and he had to fight Chris Tanev, who just came back from injury, so good on him. And the Calgary Flames absolutely positively loved it. But also, uh, somewhat of a hidden element to all of this, and man, is that a strong hit, <laughs> is Jacob Markstrom looked bad again. So there's like a couple different angles that I'd like to walk with Kiprios, depending on the time, of course. What do you think about having to fight? I know you're setting it up because we don't have a lot of time, but what do you think about having to fight after a big hit every time? Uh, I've had this conversation a bunch of times, and I believe that the players on the ice are trying to protect their teammates because they know that the hit is just as dangerous, if not more, than the fight. Mm -hmm. And I don't think a lot of people understand that. They just want to see the hit, and it's legal, but is it dirty? Hmm. Le no, it was legal and clean last night. Is it Legal, yes. Is it dirty to catch a guy 
with his head down dangerous and take full advantage. Dangerous is no, the word. No, no, no. I think like violent. When, when, why are they fighting after? I have no idea. I don't know why they do that anymore. Right. And and nobody does and everyone hates it unless the players are saying to other players don't take advantage yeah, of my guy like that. Yeah, the players are the ones who are doing it. So obviously they feel they need to do it, but like Chris Tanev's coming off shoulder injuries fighting. Mm-hmm. Dubé is going up against a monster in Truba. It doesn't make right. any sense. Like, why are they doing this? Well, but after the game, Last after the game, everyone on Calgary was very happy that they stood up for their guys. Yeah. Like, so, did you hear the clips? Yeah. That, Mackenzie Weegers said he, he, the team loved each other. It's new NHL. That's what they do. What Doesn't, do that's what it's, they fight. They stand up for each other all the time. They just fight. Every time there's a big hit now. So, are you saying there's something wrong with that? I personally don't like it, but that's what they've that's what they've done now. Okay. We'll have, this, I can do to change we'll, it. we'll have this conversation with Nick Kiprios when we have a little bit more time. Still to come. We'll go live in Los Angeles. Check in with Dave McMenamin as LeBron James takes aim at the NBA's <clears throat> all-time scoring record. Nick Kiprios in studio for his weekly Tuesday appearance. A little Tuesday with Kipper. But up next, we'll have more from Super Bowl 57. Rash Madani is going to join us. When you're clearing your throat, I don't know if you're making a joke or... Brandon Stokely. No, today I'm just clearing the throat. <laughs> Man, my voice just cracked. I love it. My voice just cracked for the first time since 14. All, right. All that more coming up on this Tuesday edition of Tim and Friends. It dropped early. Yeah, I got it. Henry able to get to it. Last shelter. That's the middle. Big hit. Henry walked by Truba. And then here comes Dubé going up after Truba. It was a monster collision. It was. Two on one with Savannah We know what it is. Like, what's the point of, of us coming here talking every? Uh, what, sorry, every every deadline. Like, oh, it's like I mean, we know that's gonna happen. Like, it is what it is. Like, and whatever happens, happens. Like, but other than that, man, I'm doing my job every single day. Never said I wanted to lead the league in scoring, or for sure, never said I wanted to be the all-time leader in scoring. I've never. <laughs> that's never been like a dream of mine. Into sit here and actually be on the brink of it happening. This is pretty, it's pretty crazy. We're going to ask Kipper about the Truba hit. Don't worry about it, Jesse. <laughs> Trying to get the opinion forced fine, in there. Fine. <laughs> Super Bowl weekend kicked off. Yesterday, media got a chance to speak to players and coaches on opening night. As usual, members of both teams were asked some wild questions, which led to some interesting answers. Here are some of the high or low lights depending on how you look at it. <laughs> a must-win game. A must-win game. Yeah, yeah, you know, we're we're here to, you know, obviously to win the football game. So yes on the must-win game. Yeah. The Eagles rejected the Super Bowl with you as their You're not the only one. Well, I just wanted to say man to man. So I'm sorry. <laughs> My daughter's five. <laughs> you gotta have it like right here, and it's not. Most people think it's right here. It's like in the pits. Oh, you gotta love this. One eighty. My daughter yeah. is five. Is the greatest answer <laughs> to any question yes. that you could possibly ask. Uh, can I just say that's why I believe that Alshon Jeffrey kept it 100 in 2018. How much fun is this and how much are you enjoying this experience so far? 
Honestly, I think this is terrible doing all this. <laughs> I think that we could have stayed in Philly and come on Friday or Saturday. <laughs> I think that's why he kept it 100. Back yeah, yeah. It would, I, I kind of you agree with him. Yes. Yeah, it's a and joke. I've been there. But the re- oh. yeah, Look at you. three times. Look at that. And I asked quite. Well, you didn't know that. Like no, I've said I, this on the show no, like 140 I times. No, I, I you not listen to me. No, I, I knew that. <laughs> I knew that. I'm just poking fun. <laughs> you don't three think times. it's that? No. Well, I think they do it for a reason. It's the Super Bowl. No, yeah. I know, but I think people turn it into something that's not. Ask them about football, and you might get football answers. You were the one, one of the qualified uh, journalists to be there. No, I apparently, did not many qualified journalists actually go. I did some stupid-ish, too. <laughs> All right, opening night will be the last time that the Chiefs and Eagles are in the same building before Sunday's game. Both teams held practices in Arizona earlier today. Arash Madani is our man on the scene, and here's the latest from Arash. Well, Timmy, there is a ton riding on Sunday's game for Jalen Hurts. With a win, he joins Philly Sports Elite with Dr. J and Mike Schmidt and Bobby Clark. And what's so hard to fathom is that if Hurts was coming up in the era of those dudes, he never would have gotten the shot at being drafted at the position in which he leads the Eagles into on Sunday. And for no other reason besides the color of his skin. Super Bowl 57, for the first time ever, will feature two starting quarterbacks who happen to be African-American. And it carries great meaning for those who help pave the way. Chuck Ely went 35-0 as a starter in college. His number is retired at Toledo. He won three straight bowl games there and never quarterbacked it down in the National Football League. Warren Moon went from undrafted and unwelcomed to eventual enshrinement in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So how could it possibly be that no NFL team saw that talent coming out of college? They didn't think African-Americans could could learn a playbook, could think, could um, make decisions in, in pressure situations and games, could be the, you know, the face of a franchise, uh, you know, be a leader of, of men on the team. That was 1978. Four and a half decades ago. At the time, NFL executives and coaches truly believed a black man did not have the intellect to play the position. I'll take you as a defensive back or a wide receiver. Uh, I was a good athlete, they knew that. Uh, But the, the avenue of me moving into the quarterback position wasn't necessarily as friendly as it could have been. So Ely came to Hamilton, and as a rookie, became the first black starting quarterback to ever win a Grey Cup. Not long after, Moon was a Pac-8 Conference and Rose Bowl MVP and didn't even get an NFL tryout coming out of college. That's all I was ever asking for, was didn't want to be given anything, and that's all any, I think, uh, black quarterback ever wanted. It was just a chance to show what he could do. He got that opportunity in Edmonton and didn't look back, becoming one of the greatest quarterbacks in Canadian football history. Four championships in five seasons before Houston finally gave him a call. And Moon knew so much was riding on how he performed there. There was a lot of hatred. There was a lot of jealousy and envy from people saying, why is it? Why are they paying this guy all this money? And let's see if he's worth it. So I knew I had a lot of responsibility on me to play well, not only for myself and for my organization, but also for that next group of African-American quarterbacks to give them opportunities. Because if I failed, then th- that would have proved all of the, uh, the pundits' rights. He did the opposite. 
who was a 17-year run in the NFL as a quarterback on the journey to Canton. You look at the guys that didn't make it and how they grinded through, and those guys are who set the platform for us to be in this spot. It's crazy, and I think about all of the quarterbacks that have come through Philly. You know, Randall Cunningham, Rodney Pete, uh, Donovan McNabb, Mike Vick. Um, that, that there itself in this franchise and the history that we have, um, having African-American quarterbacks at that position here in this organization. I, I told those guys long ago, I just want to carry that torch for them. And as much as things have evolved, Hertz's counterpart on Sunday isn't buying it that total progress has been made. We still have to, a long ways to go. I mean, you still see the, the the stereotypes whenever guys come out to the draft and stuff like that. And so I think it just takes us to keep talking about it, honestly. I mean, us putting on a platform like this and for guys like me and Jalen to be in this game and show that we can have consistent success every single year. Moon paved the way for Doug Williams, who became the first black quarterback to win a Super Bowl some three and a half decades ago. Williams cried when Mahomes and Hurts punched their ticket, not just because of the history they've made, but because the ignorant stigma around skin color in the quarterback position is now finished for good. I told Randall, I told Donovan, I told Mike, I just want to carry that torch in the right way. And it's just the beginning. I'm sure I'll get emotional as well, and it, I'll just be prideful because It'll make me look back at what I went through in order to get to the stage that I got to and, and to where we are right now. And it'll, it'll make me think about all those tough times and, and all those times I was told that I couldn't or I wasn't good enough or I wasn't going to get a chance. It, it'll bring all that back. I'm just going to continue to try to evolve the game the best I can and show by the, my work ethic and how we play every single year, year in and year out. Um, so that one day when hopefully I'm, I'm Doug Williams and I'm looking back on these guys, we're not even talking about this because we've, we've, we've evolved the game so much. Mahomes has made a point of learning more about the history of African-American quarterbacks in the game. Just a couple of years ago, he committed his name, likeness, and financial support toward the Legacy Bowl, which is an all-star game put on by the Black College Football Hall of Fame. And it was Hertz who said, making history this week here in Arizona is just a beautiful thing. Timmy? In my lifetime, thank you very much, Arash, for that. At 35 years ago, I was 12 years old, and people actually had a conversation about whether or not the African-American quarterback or man had the intellect to play the position. That has stuck with me ever since, which is why I will always have time for that conversation that Arash Madani just presented to you. And well done again, Arash. Coming up, we'll keep the football talk going with former Super Bowl champion Brandon Stokely. Tim and friends, Sportsnet, Sportsnet 360. We go Stokely next, right here on the show. Super Bowl 57, five days away. Here are the latest odds from our friends at Bet Rivers. The Eagles, one and a half point favorites in this game, while KC plus 107 on the money line. The total currently sitting at 50 and a half. So a little bit of a high number as we continue to count down to kickoff. The Eagles and Chiefs just went through their second day of availability in Glendale, as Arash Madani mentioned. Something our next guest knows a little about. He's got two rings, two different teams. Bet Rivers football ambassador and friend of the show, Brandon Stokely. Welcome back, Brandon. How are you, my dude? 
I'm doing great, Tim. Thanks for having me, bud. Hey, anytime. I love talking football with you. But I got to ask you about this week as a player. Like, I've covered three of these bad boys. You've won two. One, I think that you win. Two, as the players go through today and one more day of availability, how annoying, funny, how different is Super Bowl week as a player? It's whatever you want to make it. You know, if you uh, want to, if you want to make it annoying, it can be very annoying. You get asked a ton of questions. You have to a lot of media availability. Uh, but I, I think that the mindset should be, hey, especially early in the week, you got a long time until game time. You don't want to start thinking too much about the game and putting too much on the game. You want to have fun, enjoy it, and uh, be relaxed right now, and don't make it a big deal, and and just enjoy every aspect of the Super Bowl and the media availability and media night and media, all of that stuff is just a part of it. So I think you got to go into all of these situations with the right mindset. How did you handle it? Oh, well, not, not a lot of people wanted to ask me many questions. So I was like <laughs> lonely for the most part. Uh, but I just try to enjoy the whole whole experience, you know, and just soak it all in especially early in the week before your family gets here. Your family gets there Thursday, Friday, or something like that. Right. Um, and just enjoy your teammates. You're kind of like back in college again. And you're in a hotel. It's just you, your teammates, uh, and coaches. And uh, so you just want to enjoy that time with them because you know what? In four or five days, it's all over with, and you're never going to be with that group of guys, guys again. We just showed why they should have been asking you questions, Brandon Stokely. <laughs> so was your second easier than your first then well it was a lot different for me yeah. Tim unfortunately you know I was injured on that second one I tore my Achilles in December and uh, so I didn't get to play in the second one so um, you know there was yeah it was a lot different a lot different um, for me and that first one you know I, I was a young guy not many people knew who I was it was my second year in the NFL so you know, we had a lot of superstars on that Ravens team, and I certainly wasn't one of those guys. So I was one of those under the radar, uh, lesser known guys. So uh, you know, I, if 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 the podium, if there's too many media people in line for Trent Dilfer and some of those guys, then they kind of trickled over to me and asked me some questions. Yeah, I was just gonna say, like talking to jabronis like me. Obviously, some guys can have fun with it, but th there are some dudes who are real creatures of habit. And it feels to me like those are the guys that are most affected by the entirety of the Super Bowl week. Yeah, it's different. It is way different. You know, football players, you get in a routine. This is what you do on Monday. It's what you do on Tuesday, day off. You get your massage. You go get some treatment. Wednesday is this. Thursday is that. And now all of a sudden, everything is thrown off. You have the bye week in between where you get all the game plan in and then you get to the Super Bowl and now you're just kind of trying to fine tune things. But everything is thrown off. You have to be able to adapt. You can't be rigid. Uh, and I think you have to embrace just being at the Super Bowl to and enjoy it, not just put too much pressure on it early on because it'll break you by the end of the week. I know that by the end of the week, we will have exhausted every storyline that we possibly can. You on your radio show in Denver, me on this show. But what what storyline right now or, or what factor in this game has captured the most of your attention? Where do you think this game can be won and lost? Well, um, well I think first and foremost, I'll look at Kansas City and say, how healthy is Patrick Mahomes in that high ankle sprain? Obviously, we saw in the AFC Championship game, it was still bothering him. Uh, and now he's had more time off, uh, obviously. But I've had a high ankle sprain before, and those things just linger. 
and they feel good for a while, all of a sudden you make one little wrong turn or someone hits you down low, and next thing you know, you re-injured it. So I think that's a big storyline still um, heading into this game. His mobility is such a big part of his game, and if that's lacking at all against a great Philadelphia defense, um, you know, they, they could be in trouble. Uh, Kansas City could be in trouble. Uh, I, I love uh, Philadelphia and how aggressive they are offensively and what the, the things that they can beat you with. They got weapons everywhere, tight end, wide, two really stud wide receivers. Yeah. They can run the ball with their quarterback, and they got some good running backs, and they got an offensive line that will just maul you. So it's, um, you know, offensively, you, you, got some, you got some guys in this game. It feels like every year – maybe every game, the trenches are underrated and, and who wins the trenches. Do you see an obvious winner in the trenches here? I don't. I like that, that Chiefs defensive line yeah. um, uh, also. So uh, after what Philadelphia did to San Francisco up front, how they kind of controlled that game, uh, I give both sides an edge to Philadelphia. Their offensive line, the way they can run the ball, especially when you have a mobile quarterback like Jalen Hurts, but also that Philly defensive line, they can get after you. And if they make the if they make the Kansas City Chiefs one dimensional and having to throw the ball uh, consistently, it could be a long night for for KC. I mean, we all remember the Tampa Bay Kansas City game and how that front of, of Tampa Bay got after Patrick Mahomes and, and and the Kansas City Chiefs. It could be that type of game again if Kansas City can't run the football. All right, let's finish with some, with some coach speak. And obviously there's a storyline about Andy Reid going to KC. Nick Sirianni was a receivers coach. He got let go when Andy Reid took over. Took the high road, said nothing but great things. And Andy Reid's been unbelievable since taking over in KC. But when you go back to his time in Philly, the criticism was that he couldn't win the big game. He's been to 10 conference championships, but has just one Super Bowl. Is there some pressure on Andy Reid and his legacy to get another one of those bad boys? I don't think so. Once you win one, you're playing with house money. Uh, I know what you're saying. Like, you've been there so many times. You've been so close. Like, one's just not enough, mm -hmm. right? He got the big monkey off his back, and I think that's all that really matters um, in the end. He did get a Super Bowl championship. They did win one. Um, so, uh, obviously, you'd like to get more, especially with that team that he's had there in Kansas City and how good they've been. But I think for the most part here, uh, Andy Reid's still playing with a little bit of house money because he did get that one Super Bowl win. What makes him good consistently, Brandon? I think he's been able to evolve um, and with his team, with the, what he's with what he's had, especially offensively, uh, with different offenses, and how he's been able to to take different quarterbacks and be successful. And uh, you know, in Philadelphia, they played a different style than they're playing now with Patrick Mahomes. He was really good with Alex Smith, also. So they just, um, you know, he, he he's not a guy that's stuck in, in saying this is how we're going to win offensively. These are the things we're going to do. They're so creative. Uh, and they find different ways to do it. And it's been impressive this year. Yeah, they have Travis Kelsey, but they lost like the the unicorn, uh, Tyreek Hill, and the guy that just puts fear in defenses. I thought they would take a step back offensively, but they really haven't. They 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 continue to impress. They continue to win football games, and and they're creative and they're fun. They're fun offensively to watch. I see that picture over your left shoulder of you in a Denver Broncos uniform. I know you're in the Mile High City. I got to ask you. Can Sean Payton revive Russell Wilson's career? 
we're hoping, we're praying. <laughs> um, and that, that's the thought. You know, if he can't do it, guess what? No one can do it. Right. So they hired the right guy. And hopefully, um, you know, they can get Russ back on track next year and playing at a much higher level. This, uh, what you just said about Andy Reid is also true about Sean Payton, isn't it? Where where you're able to be offensively very talented with much different looks. Absolutely. That's what it's all about. You got to have some creativity. You got to have a a system in place to get the most out of the guys that you have. And every year it could be a little bit different. And, And Sean Payton took over New Orleans Saints team that was just awful. Awful. And they were a consistent loser. They had an awful culture. And he just turned that whole thing around. And that's what we're hoping he can do here for the Denver Broncos. Hey, listen, Brandon, I know the Super Bowl is on Sunday. You've joined us a bunch this year. want to say really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we can do it a little in the offseason. And you'll be back next year to, uh, to help entertain Canada. I love it, Tim. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I guess now I can be considered Tim um, and friends. Am yeah, I a friend? Oh, yeah, you are officially a friend without a doubt. Stamp it, all right? Hey, my man, appreciate you. Thanks so much. It was a blast hanging with you this year. And I'm going to leave you with one thing. Fly, Eagles, fly. Oh, another fly, prediction fly. from our man, Brandon Stokely. <laughs> who has done it a couple of different times on this show. Remember the Detroit Lions, Jesse Rubin? Oh, I do. Oh, I yeah. Stokely had that forget? a couple of times. Thanks, Brandon. Always great talking to you. All right. Thank y'all. Appreciate it. <laughs> there is Brandon Stokely. I love He didn't say nothing before the interview. He didn't say nothing during the interview. Just saved that bad boy. Well, he that. knows we want it, right? Because oh, yeah. he's, been, he's been hot. He's been pretty warm. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. So Stokely's on the Eagles. We'll have to keep asking, folks. We yeah. just running like a consensus, a Tim and Friend consensus. I can keep a log. I'll keep a log. Yeah, we'll keep a log. So, Stokely, we'll Eagles. We'll keep a log. Yeah. We'll try right. it. Teamwork. Teamwork. Love, Love it. All right, still to come. We'll go live to L.A. LeBron looking to make history tonight. You can see it on Sportsnet 1. But up next, we'll turn our attention to hockey on Sportsnet as the Oilers return from the All-Star break against the Red Wings. Plus, we'll break down the latest trade rumors with Nick Kiprios and a little smoke or fire Raptors done anything lately? Nothing yet, Jesse? Not yet. Not yet. Right. Super eye on that as well. Adam Stokely did a log. Stokely's in the log. Eagles. And now, time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe. Friends of the show. Thank you very much, Sheepdogs. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Tim McAuliffe along with Jesse Rubinoff. We'll be with you for another hour on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 360 as we take you to Hockey Central. Still to come, ESPN's Dave McMenamin will drive us, join us excuse me, live from L.A. ahead of what could be a record-setting night on Sportsnet 1 for LeBron James as the Lakers take to the court. Nick Kiprios will join me in studio for his weekly Tuesdays with Kipper. We'll do a little smoke or fire with the latest NHL trade rumors, but we begin this hour with the Edmonton Oilers who return from their all-star break tonight in Detroit. You can see that game on Sportsnet starting with Hockey Central. Immediately following us, 7 Eastern, 5 Mountain. The Oilers have 32 games remaining and are currently in the first wildcard spot in the Western Conference. Gene Principe standing by with more on tonight's matchup. Gino, what's going on? 
Hey, Tim, how are you? I feel really refreshed and relaxed and ready to go after the All-Star break. Uh, when you're in the midst of a season where you're playing every second day, and <laughs> listen, I don't block any shots or uh, take any hits or do anything that important, uh, but it's always nice to just get a break. And uh, whether you went to Turks and Caicos like uh, Leon and Connor before the All-Star weekend or went to Florida directly like Stuart Skinner or maybe you went down to California uh, like uh, Zach Hyman and his family Darnell Nurse doesn't matter where you went when you come back you're recharged ready to go and uh, I think the thing I like from the Oilers uh, starting on Sunday when they returned to practice is how energized uh, they were really kind of almost happy to see each other ready to get going knowing that they're playing their best hockey of the season 7-0-1 in their last eight games and understanding since the Christmas break they have the best record in the National Hockey League and here's what I really like uh, Leon and Connor uh, they play a lot they get lots of points uh, they go to Florida they come back uh, they get home about Saturday around 10 p.m. Edmonton time right Sunday right. the Oilers practice two o'clock local time they don't have to go they don't need to go but they go and uh, to me, uh, Tim, when you talk about leadership and we always discuss goals and points and highlight real uh, opportunities and power play goals and power play points, uh, that was a big sign to me. And if you're an Edmonton Oiler uh, as a fan and certainly as a player and you see your two top guys somewhere where they don't need to be, that is one of the greatest forms of leadership without saying a single word at all. Hi, uh, Gino. I know. Uh, I know you are a man with a uh, a legendary head of hair. Are there still two mullets on this team in probably the two <laughs> most famous men in Edmonton? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that great? So this is another way of welcoming people to your team. So Dylan Holloway was a rookie, but a nice career at the University of Wisconsin. First round pick in 2020. Makes a little side wager with Connor McDavid of all people. And I remember when Holloway was on his line for a first time and he had so many texts from friends and family saying oh my gosh you're on Connor McDavid's <laughs> line right and here he is making a bet with a rookie Connor would never ignore anyone don't don't get me wrong or Leon for that matter but I, I think when you're part of a team it doesn't matter what level you're at what sport you got to feel important no one's going to be as important necessarily as Connor or Leon or Ryan Nugent Hopkins the goaltenders but everybody has to feel like they're part of the success and he makes his bet with this young kid, a little bit younger than him. And so here we are. Uh, the mullets, the mullets are growing. And uh, I don't know if it's, uh, you know, determined by their success because they've had a good run with the mullets. And if it continues, they'll look great in it. And I, I got to thank Leon, Connor, and Stewart, just to name drop. They brought me back a hat. It's not really mine, but. And this to, to protect my mullet. I'm gonna go backwards. Timmy, I see you wear the hat like this too. I'm yeah. not, at 55, yeah. I might be a little old to wear it like this, but it might save the hair a little bit for the broadcast a little later on. Tonight. I wouldn't know anything about that. The only mullet I'm growing is a skullet. Appreciate you, Gino, as always. Thanks for doing this. <laughs> Take care, boys. Enjoy the night. All right, there is uh, Gene Principe. You can see more of Gene tonight as the Red Wings take on the Oilers again, immediately following us, 7 p.m. Eastern, five local in Edmonton Hockey Central. We'll get you started, right? It could be, uh, I guess it's the Raptors. Raptors practiced earlier today in Toronto ahead of tomorrow's game against the Spurs. I was getting ahead of myself talking about the Lakers. It'll be the Raptors' last game before Thursday's trade deadline. Lots of rumors and speculations surrounding the Raptors in the lead-up to the deadline, but Pascal Siakam says he doesn't pay attention to any. I never know. Yeah, I never know what's happening. Like, even when you ask me all these questions, like, I don't know what's going on, man. Like, I'm focused on playing the game. Um, and 
and that's that's pretty much it. Like at the end of the day, we know what it is. Like, what's the point of, of us coming here talking every? F uh, what? Sorry, every every deadline. Like, oh, it's like I mean, we know that's gonna happen. Like, it is what it is. Like, and whatever happens, happens. Like, I, I think I'm I'm at a point in my career where like it really don't matter. Like, you know, unless like I feel like you know there's some things going on, or you know, now that win the league where you know if I'm unhappy I can you know there's things that can happen you know like but other than that man I'm doing my job every single day jump the gun on the Lakers because it could be a historic night in LA LeBron James 36 points away from breaking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's all-time scoring record something no one thought could get done when Kareem said it Lakers host the Oklahoma City Thunder tonight you can see the game Sportsnet 110 Eastern will go live to LA Check in with Dave McMenamin later this hour, so please stick around. Now, after the trade to the Mavs became official yesterday, Kyrie Irving was introduced to his new team a little over an hour ago. The point guard reflected on his three-plus seasons in Brooklyn and said shed some light excuse me, on why he requested a trade in the first place. Well, at least this one. I just know I want to be places where I'm celebrated uh, and not just tolerated or... or or just, um, you know, kind of dealt with in a way that doesn't make me feel respected. Um, and there were times throughout this process when I was in Brooklyn where I felt very disrespected and my talent, uh, I work extremely hard at what I do. No one ever talks about my work ethic though. Everyone talks about what I'm doing off the floor. So um, I just want to change that narrative and write my own story. Uh, from Kyrie to Kipper, Kipper to Kyrie and back and forth. Do you ever feel disrespected when you come on this show? You say Kyrie uh, quitter? <laughs> or Kepper. No, Kepper. Okay, Kepper, yeah. No, there's a little good. bit of that in there, too. And there is a little bit of, listen, I understand where he feels a little bit slighted yeah. constantly, always, perennially slighted. He also gets a contract, right? And you have to fulfill the contract, right? No? Yeah, anytime you got to look a camera in the eye or anyone else and say, hey, listen, I, I really work hard or I'm really nice. <laughs> Chances are you don't really work as hard and you're not that nice. Right. Uh, there's so much to that, dude. It gets so <laughs> frustrating for me and Jesse to talk about. All right, let's talk about some good things. That was a good game last night between the Flames. and the yeah. Was that not the game of the year so far? Yes. Yeah, yeah. it was. Uh, you know, the one thing that uh, stands out to me is what's wrong with the other 550 we've played so far? <laughs> yeah. Why don't they look more like last night uh, than like they have in previous school last night, right? like, It wasn't even close in terms of uh, people uh, disputing whether or not this was the best game of the regular yeah. season so <laughs> yeah. far because it had everything. And, you know, Kelly Rudy, I think, said it best last night, uh, you know, towards the latter part of the game in his telecast when he said, hey, I can show you like eight goals. I can show you some great saves. But we're starting with Jacob Truba yeah. because that's what everybody ultimately wanted to see. And then the passion and the emotion of this and uh, a good mixture of old school 90s type of hockey. And, you know, I, I know that Jacob Truba, when he's not having those monster hits, doesn't typically uh, look like Scott Stevens. But when he does have those open ice hits, yeah. It's awfully close. Yeah, we, we brought that name up earlier today, by the way. That that might have been the most surprising. Uh, if you take a blindside run at Milan Lucic, that surprises the hell out of me. But we had the conversation earlier in the show about Truba. And Truba had two big, fit, two big hits and he had two fights after. Should a player have to fight after a big hit no, Nick Kiprios. No, absolutely not. But that falls into the individual, and that's his, it's his choice. And uh, Dylan uh, Dubé was the guy that decided that he wanted to do it. 
Uh, he doesn't have the luxury of, of, of everybody at home of watching two or three times to uh, decide whether or not it was a headshot or not, right. or whether it was a cheap shot or not. So he does what he thinks is in the best interest of him and his team, and that is to go in and, and defend a hit. And I'm all for that. It's there if they want to use it. You want to run the risk of taking a penalty and have the team score on you, which happened last night? then again, that's at your discretion. But do you have to fight after every hit? Absolutely not. Take a number. Wait later on in the game. Maybe it's not Truba you go after. Maybe it's some other player that you do uh, and equal the score that way. But that, again, Tim, has to come down to the guys on the ice to decide, not you, not Jess, or mm -hmm. everybody sitting on the couch at home. That's, that's his call. There were a lot of people pissed off that Truba has to fight after landing what many people believe to be clean hits. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and that was kind of the argument Jesse and I kind of mulled about, though we only had a minute. Do you have a problem <laughs> with Truba? Like, yeah. I understand where Dubé steps up and it's a split-second de split decision, yeah. but Truba's the guy laying these hits out, and, you know, some of them in the past haven't been all that clean, and maybe why a Dubé just sees it and goes at him. But I know there are a lot of hockey fans that are pissed off why does that guy, yeah. why does Truba have to fight? You know, it's a very valid point and probably a little bit more difficult to, 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 to react off of the aggressor, in this case, uh, 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 Dubé or Tanev. Or, yeah. or Tanev. Yeah. Um, but you do have the right not to fight. You can back that off and you hope that at that point some of your teammates out there will acknowledge that, hey, you know what? We don't want you taking Truba off the ice for five minutes. And we don't want Truba necessarily uh, having to decide whether or not, you know, his, his courage or his manhood or whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. is being challenged here. So uh, if, if Truba chooses not to fight, again, he's got that choice. And nobody would sit there and, and say that, uh, you know, you have to do it. I, I think we're at the point where if he decides not to leave for five minutes because he's more valuable to his team, then people will have to understand that. But I think what would also help is the identification of other teammates around to get in there quickly and make sure that that doesn't happen. Jesse, you good with that answer? I think those are phenomenal points. Right. All of them. I think it's, it's a great point. We kind of went back and forth. Like, I don't yeah. know what the answer is to this, yeah. honestly, because I know there's a lot of people who are pissed off. I know that there's, I mean, the Flames after the game were ecstatic that their teammates stuck up for and them. And listen, right? and, and don't think Dubé doesn't know that. That here are the, here are the pros for me doing it. Mm -hmm. and it. And it does galvanize. It does bring a team together. Who doesn't want to be... Uh, protected by someone people in this office this building if they knew somebody had their back you're feeling a lot better about going to work Without that's that's still around the game uh despite it being now two, 2023 right. uh dylan cousins seven years 49.7 million dollars from the buffalo sabers what do you think about that love the contract from the buffalo sabers yeah. side uh, is there a chance that this thing could outdate itself as the salary cap grows and Cousins and Tage Thompson continue to be uh, uh, tra uh, trajectory uh, to a point where they're top players, not only on their team, but the league? Yeah. Absolutely. So that's the, uh, the risk they run. The guy's 21. You've waved $50 million in his face. Uh, a, a great lure by <laughs> yeah. Kevin Adams. Yeah. And in a few years, this will set up the Buffalo Sabres not only to contend for a Stanley Cup, but maybe put mm. together some sort of dynasty if they can get a few more pieces. 
particularly one in net cleaned up. Yeah. Uh, but this really sets up for a lot you like of room. the Sabres, eh? I, I, I am yeah. a big fan of the Sabres yeah. right you, now. You've come in here before, and I've yeah. noticed that you've, you've been a fan of this team. They need yeah. a goalie. Listen, uh, yeah, they, they do, yeah, and, and we'll see uh, where, where Levi is as, yeah. a, as a top prospect in a few years. And, you know, would you speed up the process by making a call to Vancouver on Demko? Probably not. Oh, Probably that, not. You might, you might but, be scratching on a little smoke or fire here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll save that segment. But yeah. uh, I, I like where they're going, and I love the room that they've left to build around these guys uh, with enough cap room. If you compare... You know, Tage Thompson and Cousins to Matthews and Marner, of course, their level of play isn't up there, but neither will their salaries right. be up in three or four or five years from now. Right, especially when the cap moves, then you compare them. Uh, last one for you before we take the break and go to Smoke or Fire. Uh, is Marty Walsh going to be the new yes. PA uh, executive director? Yes. Yeah. And, and what's your thought on that? Do you know enough about him yet? Nobody does, to be yeah, honest with kind you. Kind of come out of nowhere, didn't he? Left field. Yeah. Completely left field. And my understanding is about two and a half, three weeks ago, uh, he wasn't on the radar. There was a level of frustration that the search committee couldn't find their right. man. And then uh, all of a sudden, uh, he came available. They liked what they heard. And uh, there's no question that this will get rubber stamped because the majority of the PA, uh, you know, are like... Uh, you know, sheep, they just follow. So, you know, we'll, we'll give them a try. Uh, all right, that was supposed to be one of the smoker fires, too, and I jumped the gun. That's okay. Well, there's, there's, plenty, there's plenty to talk about that. I call you out on it when we do the Demco, and then I do it myself. We'll, we'll work around it uh, when we discuss uh, Australia. I just got to call myself out, too, here, Kim, because I got your back. I, I like it. Dylan, I, you know, I might be Dylan Dubay, but I got your back. I love it. Coming up, we'll separate fact from fiction. We'll do smoker fire with Kipper. Next in Tim and Friends. McAuliffe, Kiprios, Rubinoff here with you. It is Tim and Friends, and we are less than a month away from the NHL trade deadline. So focus on our weekly segment here where I give Kipper some rumors, some notes that we've been hearing from around the NHL and see if there is anything to them. We call it smoke or fire. It's pretty simple. Smoke means... Not much there. Fire means this is legit. Yeah. Kipper, you ready? I'm ready. Ruby, you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Canada, I hope you're ready as well. We start with the Vancouver Canucks. Bo Horvat off the charts. We know he's gone. Islands, Islanders, or on the island. Is that man next? The name that keeps getting brought up, Thatcher Demko, ESPN's Emily Kaplan, reporting that at least four teams have called to inquire about Thatcher Demko. Smoke or fire, Kipper? The Canucks will deal Demko. Uh, smoke. Uh, I just don't think that there's enough time to put something together here. And if there's a sense of urgency for teams, uh, they're not even sure how healthy he is. Uh, if you want to go in a different direction uh, with Demko, that would, to me, be an off-season move. You'd go back and revisit. You'd invite more teams into the mix. Right. And uh, uh, Demko's got a very friendly contract. Uh, moving Three forward. more years, five per. Yeah, it, which is which is great. Um, but right now, I, I just don't see a team racing to get Demko before the trade deadline on uh, March 3rd. And this would be a trade low, right? Like, I mean, 310 and 2, 394. Like, what's, yeah. what's the value of Demko right now yeah. versus the guy that, I mean, people were talking about as kind of a next Vesna candidate kind of guy? And that's the danger of, of what am I paying for exactly? And how quickly can he get his game back? We've seen levels of this guy that can be off the charts. We know that. 
And I think if teams would to, uh, invest in taking a chance that you're going to get that guy back, again, you're going to probably want to see a, a little bit more of a sample size again right. moving forward. Mm -hmm. I think teams would be paying too high for what Vancouver would value him at right. uh, to make it worth their while. There's a few teams that could use a goalie. Maybe a couple. <laughs> Maybe a couple. All right. Uh, Kane and Taves in Chicago have been part of the conversation the entire time. Patrick Kane said yesterday that his agent has come to him with some teams that have shown interest in trading for him, but he is still undecided about his future. Both will be UFAs after this season. Smoke or fire, Kane and Taves are indeed on their way out of Chicago. Can we do one smoke, one fire here? Right, who's I, the smoke? Uh, smoke would be Pat Kane. I, I don't really? think he's made any decision yet in terms of uh, what he uh, wants to do. I, I think in a perfect world, uh, he could entertain the New York Rangers. We know the history that he has with Panarin. Mm -hmm. There's no question the Rangers would love to, to borrow him. Right. But what are you going to pay for that? Uh, and uh, ultimately, does Pat Kane want to go there knowing uh, there's no room for him to sign past this season. So that's just a, a deal that if he wants to rent himself out, I just don't know if he wants to be in that position. Can I tell you something that I've heard and you can tell me whether you want to jump in on it at all? I I've heard that Kane's kind of sort of pissed off at the way it's gone in Chicago. Oh, there's no question about that. And he won't do them any favors. I, I don't know if that's the case because ultimately, uh, you know, you, you could you could do you can make the decision out of spite, but it, it really comes down to what Pat Kane wants to do moving right. forward here. There's also a health issue, guys. I I, I got to stress on this that right. he is not 100%, and he would be in a position if he wanted to take care of his health and get himself back in a position where he can rehabilitate himself to be 100% healthy for the next season. That is always an option too, for him to say uh, I'm going to look after me, myself here. Uh, I'm going to uh, take the rest of the year off and get ready for next year and pick my team. Right. That's always an option as well. But uh, uh, to, to, to make his decision based on the, the fact that he's so pissed off at Chicago, uh, I don't necessarily put that at, at the top of his priority list. Understood. So smoke on Kane, that means fire on Taves? Yeah, I, I think he's ready to go. Um, and again, uh, I see a team like Colorado taking a, a look at him. Uh, that to me is is pretty much fire that this guy was going to end up uh, uh, on being on a, another team. On a good uh, team. He has to go to a good well, team. Well, I, I think, again, he's these guys are holding all the cards with the, the no move, and uh, I think this has a chance to play out much like uh, Claude Giroux with the Flyers right. and the uh, Florida Panthers. If he picks Colorado, they will make it happen. According to reports, Habs GM Ken Hughes doesn't want to move Josh Anderson unless the deal is too hard to pass up. Uh, some might say a first rounder. Smoke or fire, the Habs will move Anderson. Smoke. I don't think he's going anywhere. And I think uh, the message now is public that you better give me an offer uh, that is uh, over the moon. And everybody loves Josh Anderson. There's no question about that. And he could be a, a, a great ad. Uh, but you're going to have to make the money work at uh, 5.5 million that half. comes in, and you know, un unlike maybe a, a Tom Wilson, there are some nights you still don't know what you're going to get with uh, with Josh Anderson. Uh, again, if they're in a situation where they want to move off of him, uh, there's plenty of time after the trade deadline uh, going into uh, the summer or or next fall. Right. 
Uh, Kipper's got some connects, so I'll ask this next one. Bill Daly says that the NHL has been approached many times by promoters in Australia about playing games in the country. No decision has been made about holding games there. Jesse's chuckling over there. Got Australian guys playing in the league. Bruins, Kings, Canucks mentioned as possible teams to play in Australia. Smoke or fire, the NHL will play preseason games in Australia next season. Strike up the Barbie. Put the shrimp up, mate. <laughs> <laughs> NHL's coming to Australia. Are we going fire? Put another shrimp on the we, Barbie. Well, let me let me clarify this. This is like you can't see in front of you smoke. Right. It's not quite fire yet. Uh, my understanding, uh, uh, it's not done. Uh, the calls continue to happen. Uh, but there is a sense that, uh, yeah, it, it's going to happen. And, you know, don't, see, don't be surprised if it's, uh, you know, maybe the L.A. Kings and the Boston Bruins, you know, involved. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and we'll see where it goes. Uh, but, you know, if, if we're going to go back a little bit to uh, Marty Walsh, the new executive director yep. of, uh, of the uh, yeah. NHLPA pending, you know, uh, rubber stamping this thing. Like, what is the game plan here? Like, at times we've, like, thrown darts at certain places and then we've gone and come back. And it's like, this is where this is uh, Marty uh, Walsh now having to go back to the players and the league and get a game plan going. Get an international so, game plan going so where it's not just Australia. We're talking right. about the Olympics. We're talking about... Uh, you know, helping right. get a deal done and, right. and having not only a, a yearly plan on a calendar, but how about uh, four, six, eight-year uh, international calendar that you can start building? That's that's the oh vision my, that oh the PA God, yes. and the league need. Okay, cut the smoker fire music. I just want to have a conversation with you because sure. I was surprised, to be honest with you, that Gary Bettman didn't get more conversation at his State of the Union about... I had Connor McDavid on the show. He's talking about how... The NHL's dropped the ball yeah. on no best on best, right? Yeah. We, we haven't had the best on best. We've seen every other league's salaries skyrocket, right? Like Kyrie Irving's choosing what team he wants to play for and making $40 million while playing there. And Connor McDavid feels bad that he's got $11 million. Like, there, there's, listen, they're a partner. I have to acknowledge that whenever we have this conversation. Sure. However, don't you think that Gary Bettman's reign is starting to... Like, this has got to be the hottest seat that he's ever been on. Uh, yes and no. Uh, and again, I mean, first of all, you're, you're doing a state of a union in Miami. Uh, the majority of the people in that room are eating your food, <laughs> drinking your wine, sitting on your beaches. On your beaches. <laughs> yeah. like, it's not the place where I think, you know, you start challenging uh, Gary Bettman. In saying that, there's a comfort zone that he's in right now, uh, and he's never felt better. He's watching a, a players' association try to get back on board. You've right. kicked their butts uh, time and Repeated, time again. Yeah. And there, there seems to be a comfort zone there. I don't know how long he stays. Is it another three, four? My guess he's probably thinking about another six, seven years. But you just look at the valuations of NHL teams, like even owners. Like, I know they've kicked the PA's butt and owners would yeah. be happy about that. But look at the valuations of NHL teams versus NBA teams. Yeah, I know. And like when uh, you guys won the cup, the cover of Sports Illustrated, why the NHL's hot and why the NBA's not, look at the difference since. I know. And uh, I, I think, you know, he's happy to trumpeting uh, uh, close to $6 billion revenue. Mm -hmm. But, like, who's to say it shouldn't be eight or nine right. at this point? Or 10. And, you know, the, the saddest thing for me is when I look back on the last 30 or 40 years, how uh, 
our international uh, 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 climate has never really grown, and yeah. we've we've got Russians, we've got uh, right. Swedes, we got Finns, Slovenians, yeah. we've got uh, uh, America now. The last 25, 30 years, going back to you know the gold yeah. medal game in Lake Placid, like where is the uh, international revenue now? Right. And I think that has to be a focus moving forward for, for uh, all sides. For, for all sides, yeah. uh, but again, have a game plan here. Right. That's I think. The one thing that uh, you can look back at Gary and, and say that uh, he has not met that uh, that uh, that bar. That. Uh, my my alarm went off. Kipper's got to go. That was fun. Six thirty. It's always fun. Thanks for doing this oh, Tuesdays with Kipper. Love it. We're keeping a log for the Super Bowl. Uh, who are you taking, Chiefs or Eagles? Uh, Eagles. Two okay, for the Eagles. Two. There you go. Yeah, that's the it. Eagles. All right. Entering now. Coming up, LeBron James needs 36 points to become the NBA's all-time leading scorer. Since you're making predictions, does he do it tonight, Kipper? 36. Yeah. Uh, 100%. 100% from Kipper. Yeah, he ain't messing around tonight. We'll check with Dave McMenamin, a dude that knows that man and that team as well as anyone on planet Earth. And we'll do that next in Tim and Friends. Thanks, Kipper. What a day all across the board, kids. Even for the Los Angeles Lakers, a team nicknamed Showtime with their 17 world championships and LeBron James with his, well, his, his career's worth of trauma. Even for both of them, this week may top them all in terms of drama. LeBron on the verge of breaking one of the most hallowed records in all of team sports as his team flounders in the standings and just swung and missed at perhaps the one player that could have given them hope to compete this year. And Kyrie Irving. Somewhere Jerry Buss is confused because it's entertaining as hell with rumors having two courtside seats going for around, I don't know, $130,000, 80000 dollars $50,000, $240,000 on Thursday for a team currently 13th in the standings. How and why? Well, we bring in a man who knows this team and that guy as well as anyone on planet Earth. Longtime friend of the show, Dave McMenamin, aka MC10. What's going on, Dave? And Tim, I'm just here uh, waiting on what we've been anticipating for really all season. Uh, but it's gotten to a fevered pace ever since LeBron James' birthday. He's been on an offensive tear. And uh, the biggest thing going for the team, though, is trying to get a win against this plucky OKC Thunder team because it'll ring pretty hollow for LeBron and the Lakers if he gets the record and doesn't get to go home with a W. Yeah, am I lying in any of that lead-in? Like, what a juxtaposition. What a contrast you have for LeBron practicing the skyhook, waiting to pass Kareem as the NBA's all-time leading scorer, and still tweeting out on Sunday, maybe it's me. Like, you've covered him for a while. What do, what do you make of all of this? Just the way these things are converging, it, it couldn't be scripted. I don't know if you would say it's scripted better, but certainly it couldn't be scripted in a more surreal fashion because either it happens tonight, he's averaging 30 points per game, right? So either it happens tonight or it happens Thursday at home. And Thursday happens to be the day of the trade deadline. And should Rob Falink and the Lakers front office actually make some of the trades that LeBron has been hoping for, he could be playing with practically all new teammates. <laughs> and so it's been a wild run this season, but, Again, LeBron's someone who cares about the history of basketball, cares a lot about how he is perceived within that history, and uh, it doesn't sit well with him to have this coming in the context of a losing season. 
And, and that's why I think you saw LeBron speak to Michael Wilbon and kind of turn the page from his disappointment from not acquiring Kyrie Irving and recognize that, hey, I got to step up and be a leader for this group, try to get back into the postseason. And that can make this record resonate a little bit more with the Republic, probably the way it should. Uh, because I, I think some people have been putting some premature dirt on LeBron James's grave based on the Lakers' record the last couple seasons. Yeah, yeah, despite his ridiculous numbers at 38. All right, let, let's start with the record. Do you think he does it tonight? I do. I, I certainly do. Uh, he has, I'm told, quote, a ton of friends and family in town uh, for the game from Akron, Ohio. He actually uh, told his, his mother, Gloria, hey, cut your vacation short. Come out to L.A. Be here tonight for the game. Mm -hmm. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is going to be in the building. I texted with Clippers coach Ty Lue, who, of course, coached the Cavs uh, to a couple of playoff wins over the Toronto Raptors. But, of course, the championship in 2016. I asked Ty, you said a couple months ago you would be in the building if, if LeBron's going to pass it. Is that still true? He texted me back, hell yeah. So you'll have uh, many people in the building. It will have that playoff-type atmosphere. The Lakers have credentialed over 200 media members Crazy. to be here tonight. And LeBron's certainly someone who has a sense of the moment. Uh, he's <laughs> going to be gunning for it, I think. Yeah, speaking of the sense of the moment, is he going to try and do it with a skyhook? <laughs> I don't think so, no, but okay. what I do think is going to happen at some point throughout the course of the action, right. he will attempt a, a skyhook. I don't think when he gets to 35 points and needs uh, two more to pass the record, he's going to go for it. But I would say dollars to donuts at some point over the course of tonight, whether it's just in pregame warmups, but actually I would guess it would be during the course of the game. You'll see him look for an opportunity to shoot a baseline skyhook. <laughs> Without a doubt. Uh, listen, um, I'm being told that the the over on his 32 and a half is the most bet uh, <laughs> action in Vegas right now because a lot of people feel the same way that you do. Again, you can see the game Sportsnet one tonight, beginning 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 Pacific. Now. Dave, even at 25 and 29, do the Lakers feel like they really have a chance here? Like, are they still working on anything that could put uh, them in play in the deadline? Yes, and yes. Now, you remove their two intense starts of the season, which was them falling flat on their face, and they've been well above 500 since. And, and so that shows them that they do have a group that is growing together with one another. They've had some bad luck. Obviously, Anthony Davis missed 20 straight games yeah. with the right foot injury, and they've been pretty good since he returned. Now, Rob Palinka is continuing to survey the league. He, he made his best effort to get Kyrie Irving. That didn't work. Uh, but there are two things that are imperative in my mind to, that need to happen between now and Thursday for the Lakers. One, just get some roster upgrades, but two, use Russell Westbrook's expiring contract to get pieces of salary that they wouldn't be able to uh, to sign else uh, otherwise this offseason. Yeah. You know, his money uh, is worth about $47 million this year. That money will turn into about $25 million of uh, open cap space in the offseason based on their other salaries. And so, it's just smart business to try to find guys that you can bring in to help your team now. And if they're not the perfect uh, solution, then you can flip them down the line. But otherwise, you just won't be able to have the uh, ability to acquire players of that salary cap range. Does Kyrie going to Dallas perhaps put, say, I don't know, Fred Van Vliet back in the mix? 
Absolutely. And uh, Toronto Raptors are one of, I would say, four teams that you really have to look at closely as the Lakers uh, make final phone calls over these next 48 hours. Uh, you'd say the Raptors, you'd say the Chicago Bulls, you'd say the Charlotte Hornets and the Utah Jazz. All four of those teams have multiple pieces in the requisite salary ranges that would help the Lakers get what they're trying to get. Not only, again, flexibility for future movement but also guys who can help them right now and all four of those teams you would say would covet those two future first round picks that the lakers had to offer versus say a nets the nets are trying to win right now with kevin durant a, a pick in 2027 and a pick in 2029 don't do them any good trying to win with kd but a team like toronto that clearly seems to be on the brink of a full rebuild those picks can be very valuable down the line I know LeBron said that he doesn't speak to the front office. Do you think that's true? I think it's an adjustment in the approach from both the front office and LeBron James. Now, uh, for years since LeBron came to L.A., Rob Palenka would say that we are all collaborators with one another. Uh, you know, there were stories about uh, the free agency in the summer of 2019 where Anthony Davis said, man, I, I couldn't get uh, some peace and quiet in early July because Rob kept calling me about every potential roster move we were going to make. Well, everybody was disappointed by the trade of Russell Westbrook and there was fingers to be pointed around. Right. And it, there's been a clear delineation since that LeBron James is going to play as well as he can on the court. That means that Rob Palenka has to do as well as he can in the front office to make the right moves. From what you're hearing, does it sound like there was reluctance from the Nets to trade Kyrie to that Lakers situation? Yeah, it was layered. Uh, the Lakers certainly believed that uh, the Mavericks had a better combination of future assets and win-now players and Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith. But there was also a sense, uh, I was able to report, that the Lakers just felt like they didn't, the Nets didn't want to allow Kyrie Irving to end up, after all that turmoil, in his preferred de destination. And it's not necessarily like you know, cutting your, your nose to spite your face because they still got a good package from the Dallas Mavericks, but it's almost like they just didn't want to go there with the Lakers, and they were hoping that another team could present them something that they felt like would be a better deal. Hmm. Makes some sense. <laughs> um, listen, I know you mentioned those two first-round picks, 27 and 29. Is there a fear in Laker Nation that they do this and their future success is hindered for years if they can't capitalize? Yeah, but absolutely. But at the same time, there's also a fear that what is the point of going out to get uh, LeBron James in free agency and extending him this past summer, offering him two more years at $97 million if you aren't going to maximize him while you have him? And I think there's been a little bit of straddling the line from the Lakers front office uh, since that extension happened, trying to save for the future while still trying to make this team competitive. The question is, how much of that has just been posturing? Because we did see them push those picks towards the center of the table to try to get Kyrie Irving. They're just worried that if they push them towards the center of the table for the wrong type of player, then they're really stuck because they're not going to win now and they're not going to win in the future. All right, the irony in all this is that Russell Westbrook has probably played his best ball as a Laker lately, outside of the 2-for-16 versus the Pacers, of course. But, but as all this chatter risked his engagement because I don't know if you know this Dave but in the past he's kind of been known to take his ball and go home yeah it, it certainly is a risky proposition now of course the only way the Nets deal would have made sense is to have the salary match of Russell Westbrook so 
that's just going to come out. Anyone can do the basic math. But Russell Westbrook's a very prideful player. I will give him credit. He has worked harder, in my estimation, to fit with this year's team than last year. Last year, he came in with a certain vision of how he expected to play, and he wanted things to fit around him. This year, he's done a better job of fitting around the rest of the organization. But the problem is it's it's a binary league. It's win or lose. And Russell Westbrook, as much as he's played better than he has last year, has not affected winning in the manner that the Lakers hoped for when they initially acquired him. And that's why they will continue to pursue deals that potentially will send him out by Thursday. All right. Uh, Braun has that that stage presence that that that. De- like he definitely knows what's going on here. I got to ask you, when he gets this, is playing with Bronny the last thing that he needs to do on his, you know, check marks? Well, I- I'll tell you right from the man himself. I was able to sit down with LeBron for an extensive interview uh, early last month. And just as he got under the 500-point plateau to reach Kareem, and I asked him, yeah, what's left, right? Like, I mean, you have four championships. You have four MVPs. You're going to have this scoring title. Is there anything you absolutely need to see happen before you hang it up? And he said, I got to play with my boy. I got to play with Bronny. Now, the interesting part about that answer to me was that in the past, it's been, I need to be teammates with my son. But this time he adjusted it slightly. He said, I got to share the court with him. He said he would prefer to have a Ken Griffey Sr., Ken Griffey Jr. situation and you know spend those bus rides and plane rides and practices and shoot around for an entire season with his son, but he said he'd cherish just having the chance to go up against him as an opponent uh, as well, if that's the case, which to me was one, being a little bit more realistic about where Bronny could end up as an NBA prospect, but two, kind of giving the Lakers an out uh, where he's not demanding right. if they do trade some future draft picks to try to make this team more competitive. Uh, they don't have to worry about saving some of them to try to be able to draft Bronny in a year. <laughs> uh, completely understood. Got to get going here, but is this the hottest regular season ticket you've been around in your time? Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, you know what? I missed out on Kobe's final game. I covered the Lakers for years when Kobe was on the team. I was right. in Cleveland at that time. So that has been the hottest regular season ticket I can think of when it comes to to the NBA, of uh, this has got to be the 1A uh, outside of that. Uh, McMenamin, appreciate this. Know you're a busy man on this day. Uh, thanks for bringing your knowledge to the masses here in Canada. Yes, sir, Tim. All right, there is Dave McMenamin, ESPN. If you uh, aren't following him and you love basketball, you are doing it wrong. All right, time for our last break. We'll wrap things up with game time. Rubinoff, the reigns next. Here in Tim and Friends as we take you to Hockey Central, Oilers, Red Wings, coming up on Sportsnet, and you can see that game on Sportsnet 1. Thanks for sticking with us here on Tim and Friends. We hope your game day starts right here on this show each and every weekday. Here's what's coming up on the network tonight. Oilers and Red Wings, that's a 7.30 face-off in Detroit. You can see it on Sportsnet coverage getting underway at 7 p.m. Eastern. So we got you covered immediately following this game. Also got the NBA doubleheader. Sportsnet 1, Devin Booker set to return from injury as the Suns visit the Nets. That's a 7.30 Eastern start time. So Suns, Nets followed by the Lakers and the Thunder. Not only can you see if LeBron James breaks the record, but Shaboy, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Hamilton represent. That's a 10 Eastern start.
game time, it's Jesse Rubinoff time, and he is feverishly working away to bring you the latest and greatest here on Game Time. And we're going to start with match game. Oh, are we? Because why not? Oh, why not? The why match not? game actually went today. Eh? Yes, we were doing a lot of it on the show. Whose idea was it? It's yours. It's yours. No, I'm just, I just, you know. So rumors out there that $180,000 will buy you two courtside tickets to the game in L.A. tonight. But this is your, you always make this point that this is what it's being offered at on StubHub and not necessarily what someone spent on it. But it is L.A., so it's possible that someone will spend this money. Yeah, if there's one spot that would get a ridiculous number, it's L.A., but $180,000 on one game. The thing that's really weird about this to me is that, like, okay, you want to spend a lot of money to try and catch an Aaron Judge home run ball. You know you're going to be able to sell that eventually. Yeah. What are you getting from this? This is a PR firm that would buy it and put their celebrity or their person who wants to be in the news mm -hmm. in that spot because you may get a ton of recognition for sitting courtside for LeBron. Silly. Silly. I would rather spend $180,000 on blank. Michael writes in and says, all expenses paid Tim and Friends alumni golf weekend. Oh. And a carton of eggs. Well, the, carton of, the carton of eggs will cost you one hundred seventy-nine thousand nine hundred. <laughs> More expensive in the states, though, right? I believe that's a, a U.S. issue that's a at US the moment. U.S. thing right now. Uh, Canada seems to be okay. Stefan says, um, rather spend one hundred eighty thousand dollars on a Tim and Friends Look at these hoodie. They, they know how to answer this. Yeah, very well done. Uh, Ahmad says, a new car. Very good. It's a nice car. I'll yeah, tell you that much. That is a nice car. Yeah. And. Uh, Stacking success, literally anything else, and you know he's successful, so there you go. Literally any A lot else. of answers, a lot of it. There's still some LeBron haters out there, I will say. I did, I did notice that in the mentions. Yeah, without a doubt, it was actually funny. I was going to write a little thing about LeBron and how it's not you, it's us. But it may be a little bit of it is him. But, like, let's be honest here, right? Like, the decision was a terrible thing, and he never should have done yes, it. And, but but let's be honest, right? Like, he's jumped around. He's wielded his power. We understand that. He whines a little bit, but who doesn't in the NBA? Like, he's been a good dad, whether you agree with his politics or not. He stands firm. He tries to help people. Like, he's built schools. Like, and he's one of, if not the greatest basketball player of all time. Could not agree more. Yeah. Big fan right. of LeBron. Uh, good luck to him tonight, because that's going to be fun to watch on Sportsnet. Last week, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl <laughs> revealed their mullets. That's right, business in the front, party in the back. Mullet. Is Leon's it a mullet? Edited, yes. Kind of. <laughs> Dreisaitl revealed that the mullets are a product of a bet with Dylan Holloway, who said if they win six in a row, McDavid would have to grow the mullet. During All-Star Weekend, McDavid spoke on his new look. Actually, uh, the fan base has really latched on to the mullet theme you and Leon have going on. Have you given any thought to how long you're going to let the hair go? Uh, no, I haven't at all. I've gotten some mixed reviews. So uh, <laughs> as, long as, it's, as long as it's going over well at home, that's, that's all that matters. In your estimation, mm -hmm. should I grow a mullet? Why, why can't I grow a mullet? You can grow a skullet. <laughs> you just established that, like, I'm, no less than five minutes ago. Well, well it was probably like an hour ago, but whatever. Yeah, and assuming that people are watching this yeah. whole time is probably rather presumptuous yeah. of both of us. But I would love that if they were, yeah, understood. Um, I'm having trouble envisioning... Oh, there, there's, there's Jesse Rubin. Why did they do me like that? Oh, that, that is... 
That's yeah, I think you should grow that's one. That's terrible. Yeah, I look now, like Joe Dirt. No, that, you don't look like Joe. That's that's Yarmir Yager. That is that's Jeremy the Yager. You I'm pretty been, sure that's the photo. That's got to be the Photoshop. You there. put you, you, I mean, listen. That you put yourself in the in the in the mix. What's that picture with a bow tie and a tux? Like, what are you guys laughing? Looking at? good. I don't know about that. It's a little high up top for, for my liking. Well, your hair is like right now. Your hair is I pretty know, high. Like I, I don't know. Yeah. If, I don't know if you got a box is cut it? or a cameo right now. Is it but really, it's, is it high? it's getting up there. Is it? Yeah, I got real life. Okay. I need to talk to Gus. Gus is coming in next week. Would you, would you grow a mullet? Like would do the significant other appreciate a mullet? No, no, not not on the no, not on her watch. I mean, I think you could grow. I mean, obviously by the picture, you could probably grow a really. That was really. Mullet. That does not look good. Like, we can agree that did not look good. Just beauty, say it. Beauty, it's fine. No, I, I'm, beauty, not, I'm not offended. Beauty isn't even. I had to be hold. I'm not no. going after you. Well, the haircut. Whether or not you look good in the I haircut. I can't. No, no. That's not good enough. But um, you know who does or did have a according, fabulous according mullet? According to who? <laughs> <laughs> you know who did have a fabulous mullet? Not me. Yarmir Yager, who turns 51 years young next Wednesday, Speaking and he's made history. Uh, Yager scored his 1,099th goal, overtaking Wayne Gretzky for most professional goals ever. So is Yager the new great one? Get out of here. But this is crazy, is it not? Like, I looked it up. He's going to turn 51 next Wednesday. So he's 50. He's playing in a pro league back in his hometown, and he's got 11 points in 19 games. Like, at 50, he's going to be 51 next Wednesday. I, I, it's really impressive. Like, Yager is a specimen, right? Oh, doesn't he have, like, a a, a legendary work ethic? From the mullet the- on down, he's a legend. He is absolutely a legend. Like, I'm, what, how old am I now? 34 years old, I can barely get out of bed. Certified beauty. Certified he's beauty. He's 16 years I'm, I, come after me. You are, you are a man. I'm 45. You're I couldn't even imagine. I can't even play beer league. I and this, and this dude's playing in a pro league and putting out points. You get injuries. You hurt your finger. You milk it for like, how long do you milk it for? Like six months? Uh-oh. Oh, Semi, quiet down, you instigator. Don't, don't, don't try and point it at Semi. You went after my finger, and that was doctor's orders. You said come after that you, was doctor's orders. You think I wanted to wear that thing for six weeks? Oh, I just, you just made sure you I had wore a mallet finger, Jesse you sure, Rubinoff. You made sure you wore it on air. It's all it I'm was saying. a mallet. What, I could t- take it off? <laughs> you want me to get a doctor's <laughs> note for you? Take- you want me to show you how firm it is now, Jesse Rubinoff? Because we can do that. Uh-oh. If, you, if you'd like, oh, no. if you'd like to see this old man Don't power, do you can come see Don't it. Don't do that. You understand me? Don't be mean to your jacket. That's a nice oh, yeah. jacket. Finger straight. Is it? Yeah, it's perfect. That's progress. Yeah. Very impressive. It used to be like that. Now it's like this. <laughs> I'm right, mad that at That does Sebi. it for hockey central. Is up next, LeBron later.